Welcome to the first episode of the All-Star Sports Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about my boldest prediction yet for the 2019 NFL season. My team to watch this, this season is the Cleveland Browns, who I believe will have the potential to make the AFC Conference Championship and possibly the Super Bowl. I have three main points I want to talk about, those being Baker Mayfield, his offensive weapons, and a strong defensive core. I do have a couple of concerns with this roster as well, and a potential solution. Afterwards, I would also like to discuss the Jadavion Clowney trade, and LeSean McCoy being released from the Bills. So to start off with the Browns, my number one reason I'm so high on the Browns is Baker Mayfield. Coming out of Oklahoma, I was not big on Mayfield. I felt that the Browns drafting a quarterback or Saquon Barkley would be better. The quarterback being Josh Allen. Uh, if they were 100% set on the quarterback, definitely Josh Allen. He was my number one prospect coming out of Wyoming. But after their rookie seasons, I have to admit that I was wrong about Mayfield. He, in my opinion, is going to be the guy in Cleveland for the next 10 plus years. He threw a rookie record 27 touchdowns to go along with 3,700 yards in 13 starts. He went 7-7, finding more success at home than on the road, going 5-2 at home. Completing 66.52% of his passes to go along with 1,800 yards through the air and 11 touchdowns to only 4 interceptions. On the road, he played Oakland, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Houston, Denver, and Baltimore. They beat the Bengals and Broncos, two teams who are both in the early processes of a rebuild. However, they lost two of those games by three points or less. They lost by 15 points to the Steelers and 16 points to the Texans. Both took advantage of a poor Cleveland defense, and Houston's fantastic defense forced three interceptions against Mayfield who still managed to complete 67% of his passes and throw for 400 yards. This one abysmal game was surrounded by five efficient games, however. So, to start off with that fantastic stretch of games by Mayfield. Week 8 versus Atlanta, who I believe Atlanta is still a top-performing team. They're still playoff-worthy. He completed 85% of his passes, going 17 for 20. 216 yards, three touchdowns, and a 28-16 Browns win. That is, that is incredible. He was able to pick apart that defense efficiently. He didn't even throw a lot of passes. It was it was more of a, we're going to grind the ball out on the ground, and then you're going to throw efficiently. And he did it perfectly. The next week against Cincinnati, he went 19 for 26, 258 yards, four touchdowns, and a 35-20 win. Cincinnati's not a strong team. Baker Mayfield definitely showed them that they are not strong at all. And then that game against Houston. In week 10 at Houston, he completed 29 of 43 passes for 397 yards, a touchdown, and then he threw three interceptions in a 13-29 loss. He still was able to be relatively efficient. He threw for 400 yards. He got that score in there, and then three interceptions, which weren't all his fault. Yeah, he made some bad reads, but at the same time, receivers not making the plays. That's going to be better this year. Then, 
after just throwing for three interceptions, he comes out and has a very clean game against Carolina. Going 18 for 22, 238 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and a 26-20 win. Carolina's still got a top-tier defense. It's slowly falling apart. This year is not going to be good at all. But he was still able to embarrass that defense and be efficient and clean at the same time. Week 12 against Denver, the 17-16 win. 18 for 31. Sloppy. 188 yards, which is by far one of his lowest weeks of his career so far. Threw for two touchdowns and an interception. Denver still has a quality defense. They had a good secondary. He, he won the game. I mean, this is definitely, I think this is a worst week. Worst week than that one against Houston. In a way. Houston against a good defense, a great defense. He was still able to put up high yardage and pick apart efficiently. Here, not so much. A lot of incompletions. Moving on to week 13, however, he went 27-37, 284 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, and a 26-18 win. He showed that he has bounce back ability. He has a bad game. He's going to come out the next game, clean it up, and he's going to perform. Previously in the season, another game on the road against Tampa Bay where he lost 26-23. He posted a strong stat line, uh, going 23-34, 215 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Again, not a lot of yardage, but he was clean with his passes, added two scores. He kept them in that game. I mean, so far, Mayfield has shown explosiveness and high accuracy. He's been decent against division rivals. He's 3-2, including a win over the Ravens, however, which won the division. I'm all in on Mayfield and believe he can turn the stretch into a season-long dominance. However, Mayfield can't do it all on his own. The front office took on the task of pairing Mayfield with even more offensive weapons. In the past, they have not shown any fear about acquiring top-tier wide receivers to give Mayfield the option of a successful air raid offense. They in the past traded for Jarvis Landry, and this offseason they added longtime best friend and superstar wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. The Browns also went out and acquired Kareem Hunt to add to an already talented backfield consisting now primarily of Nick Chubb and Dontrell Hilliard, and Hunt when he returns week 10 from his suspension. Starting off, I would like to talk about this complicated backfield. For the first half of the season, without a doubt, Chubb is the workhorse, and I believe Hilliard will be a phenomenal back on the third down or as a receiver out of the backfield, with plenty of upside in Freddie Hitchens' system. However, my biggest question about this backfield is what happens when Hunt ultimately returns Week 10? Where does he fit in? I believe Chubb will see a reduction in carries per game, but Hilliard should see about the same amount of targets. Although Hunt is a very talented and multifaceted back, I see a slower introduction into the offense. The receiving targets, however, may be even more exciting. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, and then the third receiver, Rashard Higgins, who solidified his spot over Antonio Callaway, who will be suspended until Week 5. Both had similar production in 2018, but Callaway did not have the summer Brown's staff was hoping for. Njoku this year... I believe will be once again a top five tight end, maybe even top three. 
He's going to push the envelope against Zach Ertz for that spot. Zach Ertz ultimately is still going to get a higher target share because Zach Ertz doesn't have guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry on his team. He's got Nelson Aguilar. But I think Njoku is going to have that season that puts the league on notice. It's his third or fourth year. He's ready to go. He's in Freddie Hitchens' system again. Now Freddie Hitchens being the head coach. Hitchens has the say over this offense in this entire team. He's going to give Njoku the opportunity. I love Njoku. This is his year. I think Odell, is he's not going to be that receiver that's getting 160, 160 receptions, uh, targets. Uh, but he will get his first shot. He'll get maybe 130 targets. Landry is going to get about 100 targets. The rest, Rashard Higgins and Joku are going to eat. Hilliard out of the backfield. He's going to get maybe two or three catches a game. He's not going to be used a lot when Hunt comes back. But he's still going to have opportunities in this offense. He hasn't taken an NFL carry yet. He did do some light work out of the backfield last year and was very strong uh, in the limited opportunities he had. I love this offense. I love the weapons that they put around Mayfield. Uh, I think this is really what you're looking for in a proper rebuild. You go out, you start to build that defense, you get a good defensive line set up, you trade or sign for a solid offensive line, maybe even draft some, and then you get your quarterback, and you just start surrounding him with weapons. You get your quarterback and your wide receivers, much like Arizona's doing where they got Kyler Murray, and then they added Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler. They got him targets. I think this offense is going to be a top-five offense, no doubt. They're going to pass a lot, and they have the weapons to do so. Finally. My third and equally important topic to discuss about the Browns is this defensive core they are assembling. Miles Garrett, once again, will show that he is a top pass rusher in the league, especially now that he's paired with Larry Gunjobi and a solid run stopper, Sheldon Richardson, who as well is a solid pass rusher out of the nose tackle position. This defensive line is scary. My biggest question mark is obviously Olivier Vernon. He's really got to show what's up, or Anthony Zettel, the backup to Miles Garrett. And I think, really, both their backups, he's going to be swinging around a lot in pass rushing situations. Anthony Settle is going to take Olivier Vernon's job, and Olivier Vernon will find his way out the door if he does not prove that he can be a good pass rusher, or at least run stopper this season. The Browns have Anthony Zettel, and he's going to be a solid edge rusher. But I think this linebacking core of Christian Kirksey and Joe Schobert really is it's questionable. They only have Schobert and Kirksey, I believe. There's no good linebackers surrounding them. Last year they had Ogba. Ogba is now in Kansas City. It's it's scary. Um, but luckily they're backed up by one of the best secondaries in the league, I think. Best up-and-coming secondaries. Uh, Greedy Williams was selected in the draft this year. Uh, in my eyes, he's a true cornerback, too, on this defense. 
paired alongside Denzel Ward, he's going to be scary. Uh, Denzel Ward was easily the best defensive player out of last year's draft. Uh, Williams doesn't have that same pedigree, and I don't think he's going to live up to that same level as Denzel Ward, but he's going to be a solid cornerback, too, for the start of this rebuild, or where it's at now, the end of this rebuild, and start contending for championships. Williams, he's going to be there for many years to come. Him and Denzel Ward, they're going to be scary. This is going to be a lesion of boom situation with a lot of ball hawking safeties and corners, including TJ Carey, who's fast and he's a good returner. He's in there. Terrence Mitchell from Kansas City. Last year, Terrence Mitchell, phenomenal defensive back. I think he really is going to fit well into the system. And this safety duo is one of the best in the league, easily. Yeah, there's some good ones out there in Washington. And I feel that Morgan Burnett, playing strong safety, is a great pickup by the Browns. Morgan Burnett, he's going to be in the league for the next few years still at a veteran age. I think he's in his 30s now. He's going to be a plug-and-play safety. You can put him on any team anytime and he will find success he's always going to be solid uh Demarius Randall another guy that ended up coming from Green Bay uh this is his second year with the Browns he's always going to be a really good free safety I don't think he's a top free safety I don't think Morgan Burnett is a top strong safety but when you combine them and potentially what we could see is Rashad Jones finding his way out of Miami Rashad Jones maybe acquiring him for some cheap draft picks. They can make a really solid defense. Um, They can make some good moves to add. Um, My biggest concern, however, with this team overall is the right side of this offensive line. From left to right, they have Greg Robinson, Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader. I think that is a great left side. Robinson, to me, is more of a right tackle. Uh, but then when you get over to the right side of the line, it's Eric Cush and Chris Hubbard. I don't like Chris Hubbard. He needs to go. Cush is questionable. I think, I think he can find success and do well in the right offense, which I think Freddie Hitchens' offense could be the right offense for him. But it's still it's very weak. Um, and my solution, however is sitting right on the Washington Redskins. The Redskins have already made it clear they are not trading Trent Williams. But I think after Bruce Allen, who says he he knows Williams will play, I think when he realizes Williams is dead set that he will not suit up again in a Washington Redskins uniform, I think he'll get nervous and he will want to trade that contract away. He won't want Trent Williams on the team. I mean, he'll want him, but he knows he can't keep him because he's just paying out money to a guy who's never going to be on the field for him again. I feel like Washington has more pressing issues at wide receiver, uh, and that's why I think that Antonio Callaway, two first-rounders, a second-rounder, and a sixth-round, would easily get the job done for Trent Williams. I know New England's made some moves, tried to make some moves for Trent Williams, I think the Browns are the team to get a deal done with Washington. Maybe even toss in Olivier Vernon. Uh, I'm not sure that 
the Redskins will want to take on that contract at that age. But you never know. It's Washington. They make some questionable decisions. Um, and that'll be all for the Browns today. I have some more news that I'd like to talk about in the next segment. Uh, particularly around Jadavion Clowney um, and LaShawn McCoy. So after news broke Friday that Jadavion Clowney was being talked about in a potential trade to the Miami Dolphins, he publicly came out and stated that he didn't want to play for the Dolphins. He wanted to play for a contender. He preferred the Eagles and the Seahawks, and now he has his wish. This morning on Saturday, the 31st, the Texans agreed in principle to a trade to the Seattle Seahawks, uh, giving up Jadeveon Clowney for a third-round pick, edge rusher Burkevious Mingo, who I feel he's past his prime. Yes, he's a solid player, but he's not a guy I'm putting 100% of my defense on. He's not going to be the top guy in that linebacking or defensive end core. Obviously, they have guys in place already. But, I mean, he's going to have to pick up some for Clowney. Uh, the Texans didn't get Larry Laramie Tunsil. Uh, they got... Jacob Martin at linebacker and Marquevious Mingo at edge rusher, third round pick. This is far from what I expected them to stoop to. I feel like Jadevian Clowney is easily a top def- top fifteen defensive player in the NFL. I don't like the move. Personally, I think that the Texans should have tried harder to reach that initial deal with Clowney, or at least gone after a solid player on Seattle. Running back is a tough position for Texans, uh, for the Texans right now. Lamar Miller going down. They have Duke Johnson, who I am all in on. I love that. Duke Johnson is going to be a great running back for the Texans this year. But then they have Maria Crockett. They released Josh Ferguson. So who do they really have? If they had gone out and, say, gotten CJ Procise, injury concerns, I know. A second-round pick. And then if you want Barkevious Mingo so bad, Barkevious Mingo. Maybe even at running back, don't get Procise and say get yourself a Shad Penny or Chris Carson in a third round pick. Don't and then Barkevious Mingo, the guy that they obviously wanted so bad. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the move. I think the Texans could have done way better. There's smarter moves to make. Uh, Clowney didn't put them in the greatest positions, but oh well. He he got what he wanted. Uh, I hope it works out for both of them, but easily Seattle won this trade. No questions, hands down. Seattle's defense just got ten times better. Also, breaking overnight, the Buffalo Bills cuts were uh, released, um, so to speak. They stated that LaShawn McCoy was amongst their preseason final cuts. Uh, I think it's the end of an era in the NFL of Shady McCoy. I do believe he'll get picked up, but I don't believe he's going to be a premier back in any offense. He's just going to be your plug-and-play running back 
He's going to be here. He's going to be there. He's not going to get a lot of touches. He'll get his fair share because it's LeSean McCoy. And he's one of the best all time to do it. But this helps a guy that I'm very big on. I'm very big on Devin Singletary. Uh, I think he'll split touches evenly with Frank Gore. Frank Gore, another great running back. Uh, he's one of my favorite running backs of all time. You know, that streak of like 11 or 12 seasons where he had over 1,000 yards. He was scoring. He's at the tail end of his career, being 34, 35 years old. Or 35 or 36. He's getting up there. I think this is Devin Singletary's show. This is his team. And he's going to take over and show everybody what he has. I mean, there's a lot of great rookie running backs this year, and I think Devin Singletary is top three in that conversation, and he's going to prove it starting week one. And, I don't know, I like the move. I personally do. Sean McCoy, he's, he's reached that point in his career where he can't take the load of an offense. He can't be the workhorse. I mean, maybe he proves me wrong. Maybe some team like the Texans picks up LaShawn McCoy and proves to me he proves to me that he can't be that he can be that feature back. But until he does that, I say great move, Bills. And that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back Sunday with a special on my MLB feelings and thoughts near the end of the season. And see really where the league is at and what I think might happen. I'm going to be making some playoff predictions. Final wild card spots are going to be wrapping up within the next month. Uh, it's going to be a good end to this MLB season. Uh, very exciting. A lot of home runs. A lot of stuff to discuss. Thank you.